they all start with an idea and, and work ethic. When people come to me with the conversation, what I really do is, is just ask questions as far as what plans they have in place. I mean, it, it's great that you cook, you know, a nice pizza for your family in, in, in the backyard on a Friday night and everyone says you have the best pizza, well, you should open a pizzeria. Well, have you done any kind of financial analysis? Have you thought about the time you're going to have to put into it? Have you considered that things certainly are not going to go anywhere near the way you expect all the time? Do you have anybody who's got a business background who's yep. going to help you out? Assuming that, that, that people check the boxes, I certainly don't try to scare people out of it. I don't want to take enthusiasm away, but I also, the last thing you want to do is just talk people into setting up an entity or doing some documents for me to get a fee, and then it turns out that a year or two later that they've yep. run through their life savings or, or hurt themselves. Welcome everyone to the Cassandra Properties Podcast. We are joined today by a dear friend, an absolutely brilliant attorney, James Thompson. He is with Thompson Law, has started his own firm. Uh, they focus on real estate and business law here in New York and New Jersey. Uh, really excited to jump in with James today. <clears throat> We're also joined by our amazing, wonderful unbelievable who I found out today is an operations manager because I just had absolutely no clue what the title is business partner right hand left hand you know and everything in between yeah that was great Rebecca Madalonis <laughs> and we've got as always Petey on the ones and twos in the back there so James thank you very much for joining us today thank you thanks for having me absolute pleasure um, looking forward to to today's podcast I know that you know what we try and do here is deliver value Right. We try and, you know, take the listeners through a journey and bring interesting guests on that offer some sort of value in one way or the other. And uh, James has represented me now for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And you have brought so much value to what we do uh, on a personal and professional level. So I was excited to to bring you on today and, and give the audience a, a chance to to see who you are and what you're about. And uh yeah, just excited to share it with everyone today. Um, as we often do, you know, we, we like to talk about who the person is before we get into the, the business points. Uh, you are a native Staten Islander. Mm -hmm. And we found out just a, a little while ago, you're four generations deep. Four generations deep. Yep. We have wow. uh, one boat from Scotland, three from Ireland. And, uh, you know, we, we've been here since then. So did you ever like trace the lineage and, and go back and... I personally did not. Um, my my cousin uh, Chris, who is the president of the Firefighters Union in Portland, Maine, as a matter of fact, up uh, you mm. know in Rebecca's neck of the woods up in uh, <laughs> New England, um, he did a, uh, a lineage search a few years back, and we, we have a lot of uh, information from that on on my uh, the Thompson side of the family. Um, additionally. We, a family member of mine was uh, a major league baseball player and, and hit a famous home run. Uh, Bobby Thompson was my grandfather's brother no. and hit the shot around oh, the world. Oh, that's so yes. cool. Whoa, whoa, so, whoa. whoa. <laughs> how, is the, how is Bobby Thompson related to you? That's my grandfather's brother. Are you kidding me? Yep. So um, through through him, we... Um, <laughs> through him, we... we um, he wrote an autobiography, so you know, due to due to the home run, he you know he he says it's you know the best thing that may have ever happened to anybody. He knew um, sort of how special a moment it was, and you know, there's certainly plenty of luck involved there. Um, but beyond just for him, there was an autobiography he wrote, and then another biography that was written about him um, that cobbled together a lot of family history we might not otherwise have had. It did screw me up a little bit because uh, there was an error in the uh, in one of the books about. So I'm the 
I'm the sixth James Thompson in a row going back to Scotland. You know, it's as far back as we can go. We don't know if there's any more. It could be seven, eight, nine. Who the hell knows? Ow. But um, as far as my middle name, I always thought I was the third. We were reading one of the books around the time my son James was born, and it indicated that I was actually the fourth. So on his birth certificate, I put myself as the fourth and him as the fifth. And my cousin found out like a month later that wasn't correct. So I, I, have, to, I have to fix that <laughs> at some point. But, but, uh, but yeah, we, we've been in Staten Island for quite some time, and, um, and, and, and wow. that's about it. So for those so who, cool. who are not familiar, the shot heard around the world was a game-winning home run by the then New York Giants um, – Third baseman, I think, right? Yep, third Bobby baseman. Thompson mm-hmm. um, against the Brooklyn Dodgers off Ralph Branca in the mm-hmm. Polo Grounds back in 1951. It's going to be 70 years this year, yeah. And they won the pennant mm-hmm. off that home run, right? Yep, it sent them to the uh, the World Series, and um, they're I, – I don't recall if it was broadcast on, on TV, but um, it, there, was, there was one – the was it, it was the that, first one broadcast on TV? There you go. Oh, so my I, gosh. I learned something new today. The, the, the famous radio call, um, there was, it only survived because one person who was out at work, uh, who was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, ironically, um, recorded the New York Giants radio station call and kept it, and somehow somehow it, uh, it made its way through. Wow. But um, the, my, my uncle, he, uh, he took the Staten Island ferry home um, after the game that day, and they went to Tavern on the Green on Staten Island You're after the fact. You're kidding me. Yep, and uh, it was actually my, he, he, he's said a number of times, it was my grandfather, who was his older brother, um, who, who helped raise him after my great-grandfather passed young. He said that my grandfather said, Bobby, they're going to be talking about this forever, and it just never sunk into his head because, I mean, it was a big deal, but back in, that, in those days, sure. even all-star ball players worked, you know, they, they worked jobs in the off-season. Yeah. It, it just it was, it was a little different. But he said that was the first time that um, that he was told uh, that he was told that. And a little trivia note that you may know: uh, Willie Mays was actually on deck when uh, when he when he hit it. Unbelievable. So, yep. So why was it called the shot heard around the world? It was a, a there was a huge rivalry, and okay. it, it was the home run that won the pennant for the team, taking them to the World Series. So Got it was it. it was an infamous you know rivalry, it. and it was an infamous moment and. You know the, the the theatrics and drama of hitting a game-winning home run to right. win after you were grinding out and you know back right. then it wasn't 162 games right I don't know how long 144 144 144 yeah you know you're grinding for Some 143 <laughs> games and you're in the last game of the season and all the work that you put in for that year comes down to that at bat and you're the guy who hits the home run that propels you uh, to the World Series. That's pretty cool. Uh, it was broadcast. Oh, oh okay. that's really neat. Really interesting. So think wow. about just, you know, I go off on tangents like whew, Tweety Birds, right? <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're here for. It's more fun that way. That's I had right. no clue <laughs> that, that we had, like, you know, we're kind of in, in the midst of a, a legend here I by know. extension. Like, this uh, is pretty cool. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long extension. <laughs> <I appreciate it. laughs> you know, just in 1951, to think about there was one dude who happened to be recording this, and that's why this infamous call, we have access to it today, and conversely, not that much time has, and we're talking 70 years later, Mm -hmm. like this broadcast is listened to in 60 countries, Yep. right? We just started it this year, and little old silly us Mm -hmm. has got an audience in 60 countries, and we get requests for book signings, and like, Crazy stuff, right? It's incredible, right? The power of technology and marketing today 
It's it is quite remarkable. See, Petey's got it up over there. There you go. And there it is. Oh, very cool. <laughs> Boom! Deep to left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. I try, I try to get my kids excited about it and show them every once in a while. They could care less. <laughs> they, 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 they mentioned it in the movie Little Big League. They, they said they, we watched that the other day and they got excited, but otherwise, not yet. Oh, maybe gosh. maybe someday. So you've got a, a really famous family member, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And now give us, fast forward a couple of generations. You're, you're a Staten Island <laughs> guy, right? Yep, absolutely. And... Uh, You've got a passion for law. Part of mm -hmm. what drew me to you as we started to get to know each other um, in kind of our other life, right, which mm -hmm. we do community work, and you do an amazing amount of community work. We'll mm -hmm. touch on so that later. Um, but you're, you clearly have a passion for mm -hmm. law, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, growing up, were you interested? Like, did you watch law programs on TV? Or, like, how does that happen? No, mm -hmm. to, to, to be honest with you, it, uh, as, as many people's stories I'm, I'm sure do, it doesn't really have a, a ton of direction to it. I remember... Um, going to college in SUNY Albany, and um, it was my senior year was the year that that 9/11 happened, and I mean the economy wasn't that great, um, yep. and uh, but I, I, I still remember um, going across campus on my last final and saying I'm never going to school again. I'm done. I'm not not interested. Um, not you know I'd just go find a job somewhere. Yep. And if truth be told, over over the summer coming out of college, I. I was not that tenacious in looking for a job. I, you know, look, looked for a couple of things. There wasn't a ton out there. And um, my college roommate had taken the LSAT. And another close friend from college was in law school as well. And they both said, well, why don't you take the LSAT? Why don't you give it a shot? Um, and I did. And uh, thankfully, uh, did, did well on that and, and got some offers. And I, I, I just had an interest in the law, probably no more or less than anybody else, and ended up at St. John's Law School and, um, and, and took it from there. Um, and uh, went the first semester, and uh, you know you you start you start uh, intermediate school after grammar school, and they tell you it's going to be tough, and maybe you know maybe it's not. They say the same thing for high school, same thing for college, yep. and everyone says law school is going to be tough, and it's graded on a curve. So I figured I you know every, everything else is going to be tough too, and I, I bombed my first semester, bombed my first semester, did horrible, um, and I said to my first, I had to get my grades up and stay in the school, which obviously I did, and luckily, you know, was able to uh, perform better academically after that. But um, what I said to myself is, I better get out there. I better start making some connections. I, I better intern because I'm not going to be the guy coming out of law mm -hmm. school with with a, a five star resume. Um, and with that, my I started my first internship um, with Judge Phil Minardo and did several after that and that was really what grew my passion seeing seeing things in practice just uh being around people and you know, seeing the way that you could sort of use the, the tools that, that the law gives you and also the options career-wise to uh to, to draw something up that you may like wow so there's so many fields within law mm -hmm. what made you choose real estate i can't i can't really say that i chose real estate as much as it chose me so I interned with Judge Minardo, and then next I interned with uh, with Dan Donovan when he was uh, the district attorney. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, criminal law is it, it, it's dynamic, it's exciting, it's interesting. But I can just say from doing doing the work, I I, I didn't love it. There was just something about it didn't didn't click in with me. Um, and I was actually heading into my third year. Um, in addition to, to law school and the internship, I was uh, delivering pizzas for Cafe Milano to make money. And I was uh, driving up 
the block after making a delivery, and I look and I see m one, another college roommate of mine. I, I, I see I see his father, and his father's a lawyer, and he's out, you know, watering his his, his lawn. And I say to myself, oh, should I go back and get make the next three dollars I can make on a tip, or you know, maybe I should say hello to this guy." So I pull the car over and I talk to him. And his name's Bob Scamardella. He ended up, um, you know, becoming you know, m my law partner, a great oh, friend, wow. wonderful mentor, great, great guy. And um, he, and I, I, I was chatting with him, and he said, he, you know, left, went, didn't think anything of it. And he called me a couple of days later, and he said, uh, we actually need an intern. Um, you know, you're interested. So I, I come. You're and kidding me. That's and you know, just you know, sort of little little snap coincidence. And to answer, rambling answer, I guess I'm going off on a tweet for a tangent to, <laughs> to answer Rebecca's great. question about real estate. Um, the firm at that point was uh, just was working on a project uh, called the Tide to Charleston, which is the first 55 and over development in New York City, 190 units out by the Outer Bridge. And it was just at the point where it was coming out of development and the properties were going to start to be sold. Mm -hmm. And as I, that was the need the firm had, it was in real estate. Um, and I, uh, you know, started working on that and then coming out of law school, the firm made an offer and, and I stayed and got to work on the tides and that was how I ended up in real estate. Wow. You know, we That's talk cool. about like having those moments yeah. where you can't put your finger on it, mm -hmm. but something just tells you to do something outside mm -hmm. of the norm or the pattern. And, you know, as you're driving there in that moment and you're remembering it as vividly as you do, uh, something prompting you to get out and go talk to this person and engage them and it turns out to be just an unbelievable attorney and an, a legendary firm on staten mm -hmm. island mm -hmm. and and you know it's just crazy how the dominoes tip it's crazy yeah. right? all, all these all these things we, we we do and plan to take big steps and, the, and these little things you just don't think of really kick you on on, on a course and that's you know just kind of how it happens Ab absolutely pretty neat. did you have any uh family members that were in in the law profession or no um so my both of my grandfathers were FDNY. My father was FDNY. All three of my brothers were FDNY. I mean, I'm the, <laughs> the only the only male in my family pretty much is not FDNY. Um, but uh, no, there was nobody else in the uh, in in the law oh. business. Um, I maybe distant cousin at some point in the past, I think, but nobody that I was connected to. That's for sure. So uh, we want to spend a lot of time talking about uh, your practice and, and how you ended up, you know, at this point making the move. But something else that moved me uh, in this direction and something that I was drawn to uh, is your the work that you do for the community and uh, you know on business clubs and you're you're kind of you're out there right mm -hmm. it, it was that an organic process or I mean like you're really I think you didn't you co-found the executive club yes yes I was okay one of, yep. executive club chamber of commerce beanie foundation like you're you're out there uh, politically and in the business groups and in the civic groups, how did that come about? Yeah, no, I, so completely, completely organically. So as you know, I described my, my family's got you know a, a history of, of service, you know, thank, thankfully, yep. and but you know, not you know I didn't grow up in, in a business atmosphere. That wasn't something that that I was around. Um, and when I got to when I started at what was then Russo Scamandella and Damato. Um, there was uh, Guy Molinari was was there. The Molinari uh, lobbying group was ran out, ran out of the same office, 
And this was at the time um, Mike Bloomberg was mayor. And I mean, you, you'd have uh, Rudy Giuliani would walk into the office like uh, just all the time. I mean, like, wow. you, you'd, you'd be walking down the hallway and you'd hear that that John McCain, you know, was was, was on the line for Guy. I mean, I remember there was a time the receptionist says, you know, you know, George Bush is on the phone and, and he yells 41 or 43. You know, <laughs> like, which one? But um, it was just it, it was it was just a, a really cool atmosphere. And I was excited to be a part of it. And um I would say that uh, the firm always had a tradition, still has, of, uh, of being very involved in, in the community. And as I described before, sort of about what got me into the law, being around people and just interactions and such, I wanted to be part of what the, the, the firm did. I wanted to be part of that culture. And um, what really got me started on it was I, uh, it, I mean, I, I showed up at the office. I didn't know Guy Molinari from a hole in the wall. I mean, I, right. you know, it, I think m uh, most people would say he's the most accomplished, you know, elected official Staten Island scene. If not, he's certainly, certainly, I mean, a as high up as anybody in the Absolutely. conversation. Uh, I mean, closing the dump, I don't know if there's a bigger political accomplishment around here, but I don't know how he's going to treat me. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just some internal off, off the streets. And he figured he's got no use for me, but just he knew how to connect with people. That, that was what he did. He always wanted to get to know everybody and, yep. and, and see if there was something, um, you know, that is, uh, something, some way to, to work with them. And he he actually was the New York State co-chair for Rudy Giuliani's presidential campaign. And there was a point where they were running buses from Staten Island to New Hampshire, um, just day trips to go uh, canvas door to door up in New Hampshire for the New Hampshire primary. And he pull, he calls me up one day and he says, Jimmy, I, I need you to do me a favor. What, you're not going to say no? And he says, can you can you just go to New Hampshire one Saturday this month? Can you take a ride up there? Let me know what, 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 what it sounds like. Let me know what the word is in the ground. No problem. So I um, I mean, I can't say I was that thrilled about it. You're getting on a bus at like 5 in the morning. I mean, oh, Rebecca, Rebecca knows that rip up to New yes. and it's yep, long. It is. And if you're going to do it, you know, if you're not even staying two, three days, I mean, right. uh, other, other than uh, primary weekend, we, we, we would turn around the same day, ride the bus back the same day. Oh, wow. But, that's a long day. Yeah, it was a long day. Oof. But... Um, we so 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 I did it and and I, I loved it and the energy the energy was I mean just w w was tremendous and at that time the, the Republican Party on Staten Island had a lot of liveliness to it uh, th there were a lot of people that, that that I met on on that bus who I, I've stayed in touch with and who are active to this day and I ended up uh, going up six out of the next eight weekends doing doing the Saturday day trip and wow. that was sort of how I, I broke in <clears throat> with the Republican on the Republican Party side of things and you know sort of stayed involved in the community from there. So the executive club, mm -hmm. uh, how did that come to to be? So um, you know we, we're all involved in the chamber of commerce. I yep. mean, you know the SIDC, which I only just got involved in a few years ago. Um, but uh, th there's also, I mean, the, the Bucks have been a long time presence on Staten Island, and yeah. they're interesting because they're a business group run by business owners. Um, they're most of them, I think, are you know a couple of years probably about you know generation up ahead of me, and, and they've been together and close and, and, and strong in this community for quite some time. Um, and I was chatting with uh, Regina Bavlalova from from Northfield Bank and um, Rebecca Yacobellis, who was was who was an accountant. She has she moved to Staten Island some time ago, and we were saying you know we'll never get into the box. I mean, it's you know they they they're tight as one yeah. person per industry. You need not breaking in, but. There again, you no. Know, we should we should start our own thing for our generation, and and you know, sort of that that was really where the idea came from. And then uh, at the same time, Corey uh, shifted from Casal Jewelers to give credit, you know, to the four people who initially you know really founded it. Um, he got on board, and um, we started it, and we rolled from there. And just I think uh, 
as most of these things go, they're, they're not collections of people, they're concepts, right? And right. I think people liked the concept that it was, you know, for business owners, by business owners, managers, um, you know, talking, you know, speaking about, you know, staying on point, staying on concept, trying to have good conversations about growing each other, not requiring referrals. And um, that was that was sort of how how that started. So we, we talk a lot now about uh, the business coaching that that we're doing and the importance of connecting. Mm-hmm. Becca is uh, she's in the process now of finishing up to be a certified coach uh, and she will be you know, exclusive to our company, uh, kind of the Wendy from Billions, you know, <laughs> coach that is teaching people how to connect and tuning the agents up and making sure they have the appropriate emotional support. Do we change the title from operations manager at that yeah, point? Right? Or? Yeah, well, I guess is what I mean. It's like she does so many things. It's, it's crazy. Utility knife. <laughs> um, but up until recently, Jim, I didn't understand the importance of that side of it, mm-hmm. connecting and slowing down. I've, I had my head down working for so long and so hard that I didn't do enough of the networking stuff. I didn't do almost any of the networking stuff. We no, always did community stuff, always, yep. always. But on the networking side, um, it, it's only recently that I started to really mm-hmm. make a concerted effort to make sure that I was getting out there and I was networking and connecting. It, you know, for me, it was candidly something I was uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, it put me in my subject matter and I'll go. Mm-hmm. Uh, take me out into small talk, I'm not mm-hmm. so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is that something that's been second nature to you? Like, you, have you always been a connector? And I, I, I would I would say no. I would say that I was more of a, a, of a head down and do it myself and just I'm going to work kind of kind of person. Um, and I, I don't know if it was a specific thing that, that drove me in that direction. I, I think, I honestly think just that starting out, I mean, again, with the, with the political stuff and some of the community involvement, I saw it as part of work. And in the beginning, I wouldn't have felt I was comfortable. But then you see the same faces so often, and they really become your friends. And then sure. you, you walk into a room, and, and listen, maybe what, you know, 80 percent of the people you don't know that well, or eighty percent of the people you're not going to speak to all night. You, you know, you walk around, you know, have your conversations, and then, then go back to your core base. But I think that was the part that that really made me comfortable with it because I I, I agree with you. It's I, I mean, and I, I know that that's a habit. I think that a lot of people in business have is just you know put my head down by force of nature. I'm I'm going to do what I you know what I what I need to do. But there's no doubt that if you if you listen to you know, people who seem to have really achieved high levels of success at what they want to do, almost invariably, they say that the people that, that they had around them helped to elevate them. And without yeah. those people, they wouldn't have gotten there. So I think it's important to be out there connecting with people and, you know, finding new connections that you know, can help you and that you can help as well. No question. Yeah. Um, you know, we put our head down and we work the way we work out of necessity, right? We mm-hmm. don't have the resources as you're growing a business mm-hmm. and you're you're trying to, you know, first of all, establish and get in, right, the door and keep the doors open and keep the lights on. And then you want to scale and you start to bring in different components and grow yep. the business. And again, it's a draw on resources. So you, you don't have, most of us don't have the benefit of, you know, having a, a huge war chest to fall back on. Mm-hmm. So out of necessity, I think you kind of fall into it and then you remain in that groove, and right. next thing you know, ten years have flown off the clock, and 
You're like, well, whoa. And I think so if it doesn't come naturally to you connecting, yeah. you don't necessarily see the value in it mm -hmm. until either you've watched somebody else do it or you have somebody else on your team. Um, I know we've had many conversations where I've told you like, this happened out of this conversation and, and what has evolved from something else. And you were kind of like, really? Like that happened from that? You know, and I just, just because it's not something that he's comfortable with, he never really put a ton of thought into how valuable it can be. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you talked about having people, the right people around you and, and mm -hmm. you know, raising you up as you go. Uh, one of our guys, we have a book club here. Mm -hmm. um, again, part of the concerted effort to start yeah. connecting more and, and, you know, I'm finding that I actually do enjoy it immensely. Mm -hmm. So uh, on one of the, the recent chapters, um, he talked about you, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yep. Right. You know, it, it's so important to get out there and connect with different people and you, you'll learn so much. And most people, they want to help. Yeah. Most people just genuinely want to give you a hand and help you along and give you advice. And, and in, a, in a worst case scenario, most people love to talk about themselves. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so true. Even, even if you don't have That's anything to so say, true. if it's somebody you want to talk to, you ask them, they're going to be your friends point. <laughs> really quickly. So uh, we've, we've been working together for a couple of years. You mm -hmm. handle a lot of the work for us here. What do I have to do to get an invite to the executive club, bro? <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> Any, anytime you want, come I'm on I'm reading the, the research that, that I put together, and I went, this freaking guy's the founder of the executive <laughs> club? Are you kidding me? We, we, had, we had Nixon. Nixon was blocking you. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. Um. So back to, to, to work and, and being with, with the firm. You're making a name for yourself, and you're out there connecting dots. I mean, you're... you're you're launching in one of the more notable projects on Staten Island with a developer, Ray Masucci, mm -hmm. uh, who's a, you know, a very accomplished guy uh, at the tides and, and far beyond that. So you, you're, you're kind of learning as you're going, you're building your book, you're, you're getting some experience under you. you know, fast forward to a pandemic, mm -hmm. right? And during this time, um, you make the decision that it's time for the next chapter yeah so uh, it, it, you know during the pandemic but um you know taking i mean taking a step back um the you know i mean obviously you start mid-march right and um my my son was born um february 27th so it, it, no one really knew what was going on around that time yeah. right it's just starting to creep mm -hmm. in we have, luckily we have a lot of family here i have five siblings my parents are here my, you know my my, my sisters-in-law mother etc and um you know, people want to come, you figure people are going to want to come by the house and see the baby. And so, um, my, we, we luckily, uh, you know, Leslie Cassegrand from, uh, from, you know, the, the firm that, that I was at, um, had set up a, um, a new practice management software that really, and, and, you know, really just brought the firm in, into the new age and made it a lot easier to work remotely. So I was busy, but at the same time, I, I said to, to my wife, I mean, she was going to be stuck home for a while with, with, with the baby. And on top of that, we have two other very young kids. Why don't we go to the New Hampshire house? My mother-in-law's New Hampshire house. We'll get up there for a week. We'll get some quality time with the new baby. I'll work remote. I have the ability to do it. But, you know, we, we think we're going up there. We're going to be able to go out to eat. We'll take the kids to, you know, they have the little mm. pin candlestick bowling alley, whatever. And the day we drove up there was the day that stuff really started to shut down. So long story short, we stay up there for... Um, for six weeks. And I, 
was busy as ever from up there. Yep. I mean, as far as just, you know, keeping things moving, going over, even if it was as simple as clients reaching out and saying, what do I do with my tenant? They don't have the, their doors open for business, but I have to right. pay my mortgage. And I have to say that people were so good. I mean, so good. I mean, re real estate can be ruthless. You, you guys mm -hmm. know it. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's, it can, it can be very tough, but people really were for the most part trying to make sure that nobody got hurt in that situation. Um, but I, I did learn from the pandemic the ability to, as I mean, the, the legal industry did to catch up and be able to work remotely and sort of do more with less um, in that way, which certainly eased um, the decision I made early, early this year, which was just to give it a shot, um, you know, going on my own and, and be able to uh, just, you know, I mean, design. Uh, luckily, I mean, my, you know, former partners, they're, they're great people, great, you know, quality of law, thankfully, law practice. Um, we still do refer stuff back and forth and, and it, you know, it's all good. But from a business perspective, um, you know, we, we saw things differently sometimes. And I just felt sure. that it may be time to, to, to try to uh, design my own thing. So um, it, the, the, the pandemic, I, I would say, again, that it kind of taught me that maybe it's a little bit easier to operate a law practice remotely and maybe uh, gave me a little more confidence in, in the ability to do that quickly. But at the same time, the, the area of practice that, that I'm in and, you know, the industry that you're in, it didn't slow down. No. It didn't yeah. slow down. I, 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 if anything, it, it, was, it was busier than ever, but one way or the other. So I, I can't really say that, that that part of it impacted unless the pandemic factors that really drove uh, real estate to be as active as it is kind of made me comfortable that there's plenty of economic activity out yeah. there right now as I'm opening the doors. Um, so a lot of people as we emerge right or mm -hmm. or taking stock of where they are mm -hmm. in life and as you had the experience i think we've all had the experience during the pandemic um that there's a different way to do things mm -hmm. right and uh i forgot the statistic we were just reading something uh, a record number number of people are not returning to work and they're starting oh, up yeah. Uh, their own companies, their own corporations, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is an area that I know you specialize in. So I, I thought maybe today we can talk people through um, as as they very well may be going through this and contemplating uh, incorporating starting an LLC. Uh, you know, if we can kind of walk the audience through the different options, you're thinking of going out and starting a business, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to start with a great attorney like you, even though I didn't get the executive club invite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're never going to let that down. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Where do they start, Jim? What, what, walk us through options and, and where do they start? Um, I, I think as, as you indicated before, it's, I mean, it, it they, they, they all to keep it basic. They all start with an idea and, and, and work ethic. But, um, when people come to me with the, um, with the conversation, um, what I really do is, is just ask questions as far as, um, what plan, you know, what, what plans they have in place. I mean, it's, you know, I, I mean, it, it's great that, you know, you, you cook, you know, a nice pizza for your family in, in, in the backyard on a Friday night and everyone says you have the best pizza. Well, you should open a pizzeria. Well, mm. you know, ha have you have you done any kind of, you know, any kind of financial analysis? Uh, have you thought about the time you're going to have to put into it? Ha have you considered um, that things certainly are not going to go anywhere near the way you expect all the time? Um, you know, do you have anybody who's got a business background who's yep. going to help you out? So go through all those things. Yep. And then in, if, and assuming that, that, that people check the boxes, I certainly don't try to scare people out of it. I don't want to take enthusiasm away, but I also, the last thing you want to do is just talk people into setting up an entity or doing some documents for me to get a fee 
And then it turns out that, you know, a year or two later that they've burned yeah. through their life savings or, you know, hurt themselves. Um, but assuming that, that they do have their stuff together, what we do is, is we get the process started sort of quarterbacking their team, which at the outset can be as simple as themselves, us, and an accountant, um, making sure that, that uh, the business owner is, is setting things up right. Um, the, uh, typically, most, most businesses will start as a limited liability company um, nowadays. Some still do, still do go for a corporation. Um, I defer to the accountant for uh, what's better from a tax perspective. From a liability perspective, for small businesses, it really doesn't make much of a difference. Um, so we go either way. And then depending on what the structure is, we take it from there. If there's one person, it's pretty simple. You get their basic documents uh, set so that they can go open a bank account. They can go lease their space, do whatever they have to do, and and um, and take it from there. If there's partners involved, then it's a much bigger conversation to make sure that the partners have things structured the way that they should and that there's a general understanding amongst them as things start out. So assuming they've, they've gone through, and, and I applaud you for encouraging people to diligence this because mm-hmm. I think part of the mixed messaging through the pandemic is the, you know, the grass is always greener, mm-hmm. right? And I think that people um, seeing, uh, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, talking about how wonderful it is to be out and to be your own boss and to have your own company. It's, it's sure. not always roses, right? No. Yep. There's an awful lot that goes into it and it's not as easy as, as it may appear on Instagram. No, I, I, I tell people when they, they form an entity, congratulations. I don't, you know, enjoy your day, but I mean, how many people sign up for a gym membership the day they get their card, they all think they're going to be in shape, mm. but much less actually go every day and, and, yep. you know, and, and do true. it. And it, it's, it's uh, very similar. So is the as you're talking to clients and they've been through their diligence mm-hmm. and they're ready to go, you know, enter James Thompson, you know, to, to mm-hmm. move this forward. Is it an LLC versus a corporation? Is that more of a tax decision or is that more of a legal decision? Tax decision. More of a tax, tax decision, decision. For sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So after they've gotten to that next point, I know LLCs is something that we've used effectively. You've set sure. up a number of them for us mm-hmm. uh, for single transactions, mm-hmm. right? We're gonna buy a piece of property, we're going to improve it one way or the other, we're gonna sell the piece of property and we're gonna shut it down. Right. So we're doing, from a protection standpoint, I'd be afforded the same protections legally if I did it through a C-Corp or an S-Corp versus Correct. an LLC? Yes. I didn't even re- realize yep. that. And, and to be That's technical, under New York law, it's, it's, a, it's a business corp and then the CNS designation is a filing that the accountant makes uh, for tax purposes, but. But yes, it's it's for for a small business. It's the same protection. So let's say that where uh, it's not such a simple transaction, and we have partners, mm-hmm. right? Enter yes. the wonderful partnership structure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you understand the value of these conversations because you've been through them before. You're a pro. You're a pro with it. I certainly do. Um, and having your steady hand has proven to be far more valuable downstream. Mm-hmm. then you realize it is in the moment, right? As mm-hmm. you're setting it up and you, you know, it's almost, you know, like, oh, you know, I got to go through another page mm-hmm. turn on the partnership mm-hmm. agreement. Does this crap really matter, <laughs> right? Well, when you, 100%. You know, you, <laughs> 100%. At that point, we're all walking down the aisle together, right? Yes. Everything right. Is, is all roses mm-hmm. and, yes. and everyone is well capitalized yes. and everyone's got mm-hmm. a vision and everyone's going to be there. And then and everybody wants to go. And, and, I, yeah. and I have to say, slow down a little bit. And that's, yeah. and mm-hmm. that, 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 that's tough because you don't want to lose momentum. Momentum's a great thing. But, but, 
mm-hmm. and it's a big <laughs> butt, right? Right. And and um, you know, we've luckily, if you're speaking about, about our generation, you know, when, when people start up again, it's usually that you know, it's 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 energy, it's go go go, and it's a great thing. But you, you think you think everything's going to go well, and now now we're at the point where a lot of people either. They've been burned. They've seen somebody who has. Or they've had an issue to be concerned about, whether it amounted to something or not, or they're on a side business and they have less control. And documentation becomes more um, important. But there's a lot less of me pushing people to do it and people understanding the value. So, what are the things that you're pointing out to clients that they should be paying attention to? Right? Why? Why are we coming to you? I know why we're coming to you. I've mm-hmm. seen it in real time. But let's talk to the audience about some of the things they should be paying attention to as they set up these partnership documents. I think the number one most important thing is is really, I mean, it, it's defining roles, but the number one most important thing is communication. Um, as you said, everybody's walking down the aisle at the outset and you know, there, there, there's nothing but good vibes. But if you, there are going to be tough times in any business. And if you can't, work through them if you can't communicate if you can only keep things going when everything is good you're dead on arrival so that's the thing that i point out to most people is that you may not want to have these conversations now they may be uncomfortable but this is a very very useful and excellent tool for you because if you can't have these conversations with your partner then you have a problem you have a problem um and the the documents initially the the operating agreements uh, for an LLC, shareholders agreements for a corporation, which are what set forth the way these things operate, um, they, you know, they, they set the tone for everything. And um, it's, it's important that they, that they, be, gotten, that they be gotten right. Um, so to talk about some basic points that, that we'll speak through, I, I, the, most, the most important one, and it's not, it's not always specifically fleshed out, often because it can't be, is spelling out what the different roles are. I mean, there there are uh, entities where so, one person is the decision maker, and that has to be clear in the document, and everybody understands that. There are entities where somebody is putting up financing, and they own a piece, but they're going to do nothing else. And, I mean, and, and take it from there. And it's good to spell that out as much as possible, even if in basic terms, so that when somebody's sort of thinking about, well, he's not doing what he's supposed to do, well, no, this is what we all agree to. Um, so that's, I, I would say is, is the most important thing starting out. So, um, I had a, a, a client back then who's now become a, a partner in certain things and a, mm-hmm. a friend, uh, when we were first starting to work together, uh, just in a, a broker, um, owner, you know, property owner relationship, there were, uh, certain things that he wanted to edify in our listing contracts. And I took it personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, back then, I was so thick-headed and stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, you don't trust me. You know, yep. this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he is my senior 15 years or so. And he had, you know, said to me, because I value this relationship is mm-hmm. why we're going to put it down yep. in black and white, mm-hmm. right? That's the reason we're going to slow it down. And that's the reason we're going to clearly articulate um on the, in the documents, exactly what this relationship is going to look mm-hmm. like, what my expectations are of you, and what your expectations should be of me. And if these things happen, here's the dominoes that tip after. Mm-hmm. So you you seldom um, think about how unbelievably wrong you can be about what you thought you communicated 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have we have disagreements with our best friends. We have disagreements mm-hmm. with the people that we're closest to. And it's not it, the I mean, at the end of the day, the, these documents do govern if God forbid you go to litigation or something. But I, one of the biggest benefits is having what we call the chilling effect that if somebody starts to think about, well, what are my interests? If you're just having a bad day with the other person and you look and where do we each stand? If that's there to sort of guide you back to the center of where you want to be, it's very, very helpful in keeping things the way that they're supposed to be. And as, and as you pointed out, God forbid things go wrong, um, it, it is better off for everybody to just know where they stand. Because if that happens, you're going to naturally, your instinct is to go to your own corner. And if everything's already been spelled out, then maybe the process of unwinding becomes a lot easier. There's a lot less emotional capital spent, whether this person that you inevitably cared about when you started, if you're able to keep mm-hmm. that connection with them, it, it, it's great. But at a minimum, um, at a, a point where things are you know, probably in damage control, it, it minimizes the damage. So, uh, again, for those who who are not as familiar and you're thinking about uh, opening up and and starting a a company or a business, you know, make sure that you're getting in the weeds like on the full spectrum of issues, not just the items at hand. I know another exercise you had walked me through on one of the partnership docs we had done, uh, spouses, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Spouses become involved through um, divorces, through tragedy, if God forbid <laughs> somebody passes. Yep. And not, he, not, not to laugh at divorce or spousal death, but we all have the stories where it triggers kind of, you know, things that have the, gone on and it's like, uh, that, 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 is, that is the main point that gets people's attention when it starts to wander. When I, we have the conversation about, um, you know, why do we need to do this? Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not comfortable having this conversation with my partner right now. Mm-hmm. The, well, God forbid something happens. Do you want to be in business with your partner's spouse? Do you want your spouse to be running the business with your partner? Right. And usually the answer to, to one or both of those questions is no. And it gets people's minds thinking that we have to put some kind of a, a, a contingency. We have, we have to have some kind of a plan in place. We can't just assume that everything is going to go the way that we want it to all the time. And then the conversations tend to start with a lot of commonality because at the end of the day, these agreements usually treat people, if not exactly equal, pretty equal. So you're looking to figure out something that, that works to everybody. And then it becomes a collaborative conversation and moves away from the feeling that, hey, this is us going toe-to-toe with each other as partners. Yeah. If you can't have the uncomfortable talk with your business partner now when things are all rosy, yeah. mm-hmm. right, yeah. uh, you sure as hell are not going to be able to have the conversation when things are tough. No, and, no. and exit strategies are important. Absolutely nobody, whether it's by choice, whether it's by death, nobody can can run their business forever. So um, you, you really should be thinking from the beginning what the exit strategies are. Uh, is is it is, is your whether it's an, an active business entity, whether it's a real estate LLC, which in, in, you know, in ways is more passive, is this something that you would like to pass on to your family? Is this something that a partner is going to take over? Um, is this something that you're going to get off the grounds for three, five, ten years, and then at some point you're going to look to put an exit an exit procedure in place where you bring younger people on and over time pass it off to them? Um, you should be thinking about those things from day one. Now, of course, there's the planning element of it, which we discussed, which is when you're somebody who's lucky enough to to, to grow and to put a strategy in place and, and to execute on it. But you have to plan for the bad times too. I mean, what if you, you know, the, the the three Ds: death, disability, divorce. Um, if if you or one of your partners passes away, if you or one of your partners can no longer um, perform your abilities because you're disabled, 
or if there's a divorce action that impacts the ownership interest of somebody in one of these entities and makes it not possible for them to own the whole interest they had, um, those things should be addressed for everybody's sake. And if they're putting the business first, they won't have a problem having that conversation and, and putting things in place to account for that. That's true. So it, that's something we spent almost no time on uh, exit strategies, yeah. right? On so many of the, of the ventures that we've participated yeah. in until we started collaborating, Jim, right? Yeah. And, and walking through these things. Um, it's something you just get for whatever reason, I guess, in the moment, you just don't think about the well, yeah, exit. you're in the mindset of, like, like you said, mm -hmm. go, 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 go. And you're just not thinking about those little things that. And no, right. No, nobody likes to think about no. that. You know, people who go into business tend to plan, for, to some extent, plan and execute. Nobody wants to think about if they're going to die. Uh, people tend to, to go with the thing that's that's the immediate need. And, and it always seems far off until it's not. Yes. And <laughs> you're not, as a business owner, going to be able to walk in one day and say, I'm done I, I can't do this anymore. I'm turning mm -hmm. in my papers and I'm going to get paid what I need to carry my lifestyle for the rest of my life. Right. That's, that's something that you have to plan for. And I think a lot of people don't think in those terms. Mm -hmm. And even we've all seen, right? I, I mean, people have in their businesses, there's a lot of emotional capital there, but that, that doesn't translate financially to the next person. So you can be somebody who works yourself half to death and mm -hmm. uh, you know builds what your clients, your customers love as a great business, and then you hit the point where you're done, uh, there might not be anything there to turn over. So, I mean, planning at some stage of the game to put a procedure in place to make that happen is key to making sure that you can, if you're lucky enough to survive your business, live the life that you want after your business. And if you're looking at your business as a separate entity, which you should, most people, I think, when they take themselves out of it, they want to see their business continue. They, they want to see a legacy. And, and if you plan it right, then you, you're, you're legacy planning for your business as well, whether it's your kids, family, somebody else to, to keep it going. So can can we talk in detail about one or two specifics uh, of exits? You know, how, what, how do you structure mm -hmm. it? What, what are the things people should be thinking about, at least, uh, as, as they take this leap of faith in life? Uh, you know, is this <clears throat> buy sells between partners? Is it buy sells estate estate planning documents? The thing the thing that I like about the business exit uh, structuring is as opposed to the real estate work that we do, which tends to be process oriented, and of course you get thrown off your path along the way, and and you, and you figure out your way back. Um, the the business exit stuff it, it's really more artwork, and it, it just it starts with a conversation of. Where, where do you want to end up? I mean, sometimes someone knows that, that they have a next generation of, of their family that's going to take something over, and, and that's the plan, and they're putting it in place. So it's, it's structuring to account for that happening as, as, you know, as the, the, first, uh, the first choice. And that may include that one child is going to take it over and one's not, and how do we account for that financially in, in, in the estate planning end of it? Um, Another way may be that you say, I know that my children are not going to take it over. Mm -hmm. There's, I, I have a successor within my organization, um, but we have to figure out, generally speaking, people aren't going to have the money to buy a business cash out of pocket as, as a successor. So there, there are ways to structure it financially to allow for um, a person who, who is there to, 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 to buy in later and also to, be commit, to remain committed to the buy-in um, and to allow the person who is, is there you know, to sunset out. And in other ways, you can wake up one day and say, I, I'm, I got older than I realized quicker than I wanted to, and I don't have a successor in place. Um, I can plan to maybe bring some, some young blood in, in, into my business 
and set it up where we work together to grow it for a few years. And then at some point there is a, uh, th there's a buyout from there. So th those are just some basic descriptions. I mean, it can just be structured a bunch of different ways and it really is a team effort. Um, you know, I personally, I do buy sells. I, I do, I mean, operating agreements, things along those, which, which can have those provisions, things, things along those lines. But you have to have, if it's done right, you have an estate planning attorney involved. Um, you're going to have a financial planner involved. Of course, you have an accountant involved and possibly a tax lawyer, depending on, on the situation. Um, but it really, it starts with the conversation. It starts with the question of, you know, what do you think that you want to do? And just getting people to realize that that at some point that, that that the control is going to be out of their hands, they have to turn it over. Whatever their driving purpose is, if it's just themselves and money, if it's their family, if it's their business, that that putting a plan in place to for the next steps is critically important to whatever their driving purpose is to what they do. So <clears throat> these are the types of things, folks, that uh, you know we're trying to articulate and convey to the audience as as you may be thinking about taking this step and you may be thinking about <clears throat> you know a shift in life um and certainly again we we encourage that type of stuff it's just there is so much to think about right you know if so you're much if you're starting about. a company and i i bet if you asked nine out of ten people mm -hmm. they wouldn't would not list i have to go see an attorney and then i have to see a tax mm -hmm. specialist i have to go see an estate planner right these are the types of things that I have to get insurance policies with right. uh, with the partners like these are things that i would say nine out of ten folks that are making the transition right new new to this kind of yeah. side of the world would never even think about but it's it, it, it's it's exciting stuff if, if you give yourself the opportunity to think about it because who doesn't want to build something that they that they can sure. pass on in one Absolutely. way or the other and you do have some time to, you know you put your basic protections in place for what happens if something goes wrong in the beginning but you do have some time to think about it it's something that remains a concept and something that I don't know if you want to call a pie in the sky, depending on where you want to go, on, on where you want to go, I guess. But um, if, you, if you look at how many, I mean, Warren Buffett's Bill Gates, you throw out these tremendously successful people and what they did, who they've been exit planning all the way. They want to give it to charity. They want yep. to give a big bunch to charity. It's something that, that they really get excited about. And I think that when people look at it from, from that perspective at the right time, they can sort of let it ferment in their mind. And then from there, again, the concept always drives drives the plan. And that's where, where it goes. So... Um I think that's another eye-opening thing is folks don't recognize, well, what do you mean I can't just give this money to charity? What do you mean I can't just uh, hand this down? It's my money. It's my business. Mm -hmm. doesn't work that way. Right. right? You, you, gotta, you, have, you have to set it up uh, right. You have, to, you have to plan the right way. Otherwise, you end up in a situation where um, things are going to happen that you don't plan, you probably don't want, and then you're usually leaving a mess in the hands of somebody, whether it be uh, right. you know, your family or whoever else is, is left to fight over what you left behind. So uh, another area we've spent a lot of time uh, in these these documents is the dispute resolution, mm -hmm. right? When when yep. you do have a disagreement, the the real uncomfortable discussion about how does it get elevated, right? Exactly. What are the voting rights? Mm -hmm. it, you clearly prescribing uh, different levels because there's mm -hmm. different levels of uh, the the weight of the decision, right? Right, and as you escalate through that, um, you know we've seen enough unfortunately uh of partnerships come and go over the years mm -hmm. um where again day one everyone seemed to be all in and, and mm -hmm. excited and you know being on on the real estate side of it we're a part of that dream we sell them yeah, properties we we help them buy and and sell and profit mm -hmm. and do well and excel and 
And it, it does seem more times than not, unfortunately, that um, you know, we find, for whatever reason or another, they hit these bumps in the road. And just mm -hmm. having um, the documents crafted in, in a way where you're addressing these things uh, thoroughly to make it a little bit less painful mm -hmm. when you have the issues, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I think probably the... Um, it, you're, you're bound together. I mean, when, when you, you have to have some trust when you start, but unfortunately it doesn't always remain for whatever reason. Um, and I think one of the toughest, maybe the toughest provision in any operating agreement or stockholders agreement is defining what happens if everybody else wants to get rid of somebody. Yeah. I mean, you, nobody's comfortable saying, hey, if I lose a popularity contest with my partners at any time, if they just, for some reason, their worst instincts uh, kick in and we've put in all, all this work and they decide, there's four of us and three of them decide, you know what? we get rid of him, there's a lot more for us. Nobody's comfortable with that, so you're not going to have it. You have, I mean, theft, you have fraud. I mean, th those are thresholds if somebody crosses, they, they deserve it. But then it becomes more gray. Um, so as far as what happens if, um, you know, if, if, there's, if there's an issue amongst the, the partners, it's is very, very tough. And at the end of the day, I think usually it does go into trust as far as that area goes, if other members want somebody out. Now, if you want to get out, if we're talking withdrawal provisions, mm -hmm. then yes, that that's something I know that we've spent a lot of time crafting, and it's it's uh, when we work together, and it's 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 very important. It's very important because you also are well, our our time is valuable. It's it's a finite Absolutely. resource, and you don't want to be stuck in something that you don't believe in anymore, and you have to be able to get out if if uh, if if you want to. So those are things that we have to be careful uh, with for everybody's sake. On the other hand, you don't want a partner to pull out at a time when it would um, benefit the person leaving but hurt everybody else. So um, those, again, as, as you said, those are things that can go in a number of different degrees in a number of different directions. And, and we, we put thought into crafting, and there's going to be some uncomfortability with everybody um, with possible scenarios in their minds. But you try to hit as much of the most likely ones as you can, and then you have to roll with trust. No question about it. Anytime you get to the number three, Mm -hmm. things get really complicated, right? Mm -hmm. Once yeah. you get to the number th three, things get wicked tough. Mm -hmm. You know, you it, it's just human nature. Allegiances yeah. are formed, Yep. right? Yeah. Teams are created. Mm -hmm. Unwritten, you know, mm -hmm. teams start to form and, and people start to um, connect with different yeah. members of the, the company in one way or another. And inevitably you end up with some sort of imbalance once oh, you yeah. get to the number S three. Some of the most smart, the, the smartest and most pragmatic people that, that I see, I mean, they get in these disputes and you just see a totally, uh, you know, di di different different side of them. I mean, yeah. emotions kick in, it gets crazy. And, that, and that's why some business people, they won't be involved in an entity unless they have managing control, unless yep. they, they the, the adage partners are for dancing. They, they, we, we won't get involved unless there's... Um, you know, nobody else is a decision maker, but 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 there's no doubt. I mean, two people sitting down together, you either can agree or not. Three people, it's a whole different mm -hmm. dynamic. Yep. And then if you grow it out, I guess depending on the personalities, it can be better or worse. But you know, we uh, we got to a point after doing a number of these with James, where <clears throat> for us, if if there is not um, the ability for us to make a final decision in the mm -hmm. documents, we want kill language now. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to go through these crazy, drawn out disagreements where uh, and this is another mistake that I've seen so many times in these documents. Not only do you have to prescribe what the, the decisioning looks like in the event there's a disagreement, you've got to put time clocks to it. Yep. Right. Yeah. You have to very clearly uh, 
define, and again, something that James has pointed out in documents, and now this is just part of every document that we're drafting when we're getting involved in an entity. It's not, uh, well, if you don't dis if you can't come to an agreement, then this happens. It's a board, uh, a board meeting must be called within two weeks of someone sending yes. a notice that yep. there's a dispute. Uh, if they're if you're not successful and you adjourn it yep. in another two weeks you have to reconvene you know I'm giving you James's language now, <laughs> yeah. right the, the worst the, the worst thing my nightmare the worst thing that can happen to me as a transactional attorney is that one of my documents ends up in court because I can tell you as sure as I'm sitting here so a litigator is gonna find some angle to yep. attack it and so for every provision you draw up there are more aspects, more components to it that you can add. And it would never end. It has to end at some point. Mm -hmm. But we, we lock in on the dispute points, as you said, because those are the ones that are most likely to come into play at the hardest moments. And you have to have those deadlines. If you leave things gray, when people are looking to fight with each other, it's problem after problem. They'll find and, it. And you guys have been through the, the thought process enough where, where, where your machines with it. And to our conversation okay. before about connecting and being around the right people, you know, you're among the clients for sure that give me ideas and, you know, things that, that I work with in food for thought. It's not just me driving the conversation or, or the thought. It's you guys making me say, hey, maybe that, that's something that I can do better and allows me to bring more value to the rest of the people that I'm around. And, and uh, Absolutely. You know, we, again, we've written enough of them. We've collaborated together on enough of them that we're yeah. just at a point where if, if you get to that third board meeting, and there's not a resolution, the company gets dissolved. And now, now we're at the point where if one of my documents ends up in court, he's going to replay the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you said it yourself. Exactly. <laughs> well, That's too funny. There's the, there are so many. Uh, the point here we were trying to drive home, folks, or at least Becca and I wanted to drive home, was there are so many things to think about, and there are so many things to contemplate in these documents. If you're thinking about going out and, and starting a company or an entity and getting involved, you, you have to cover the bases. And, and a guy like James, for us, has done a really great job doing Tremendous. that for us. Um, you know, for that, we're really thankful because it, it, does, it does make it as hard as it is to craft it in the moment and have those mm -hmm. hard discussions with your partners. Mm -hmm. It is infinitely easier when things go a little sideways to, to tighten things up. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, we're already running up on an hour here. It's like crazy how fast this fast. is. Uh, James, how do people get in touch with you? If people want to reach out, how do, what's the best way to reach you? Email jt at nynj.law. Nice and easy. Beautiful. Well, easy. we really appreciate having you on today. Uh, th thank you for having me. I know the... Um, the, you know, the, the Cassandra team for some time, I mean, you guys have, have a dynamic group of personalities who bring different skills to the table. And I know you've been trying, not trying, accomplishing, uh, you know, driving up the game on Staten Island. And uh, I appreciate being a part of it. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate the time. Uh, as always, folks, uh, please keep the suggestions coming, the thoughts coming, the ideas, the criticisms, the whole nine. Uh, we're really having a lot of fun with this show. Uh, so keep it coming, guys. Everyone out there, please stay safe.